Hey, 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 welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by just asking some questions. We're going to interview some thinkers. We're going to have some real, honest conversations from time to time. Changing up the cake. About what it looks like for us to lead the next generation. I am Brett, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Crystal. Hey there. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And Ashley. Hey. And today we're chatting about something uh, that we had some requests for us to talk about, this idea of money in ministry and how we can ask for a raise as a youth worker, as a youth pastor, as a youth ministry leader. So the first thing that I want to ask is, have you guys ever asked for a raise at some point in your life? No. Never? Never. This is Ashley speaking. (laughs) No, I have not. Interesting. Well, like, because my first years, you know, as a professional, I was in the school system mm-hmm. and everything's standardized. Crystal and I were talking about that. So okay. you don't get to ask for a raise and everybody knows what you make. So it's like, hmm. it's not private and there's no negotiation. But like every, every year you taught, like, was there like a, hey, you got this much more or something like that? Well, that's supposed to be how it works. But the school system I was in, um, you didn't get any steps for the six years because they were like on a budget problem. And so the only time I ever got my pay knocked up was when I got my master's because they had to. But because I didn't get my steps in pay, I actually got the master's at like the first level because Uh, you were still at it. uh, Yuck. That's a bummer. Yeah. And then in ministry, I'm I sure didn't... though. I'm sure once they get the budget figured out, they'll send you a check retroactively. <laughs> right. <Back> pay. Seriously. <laughs> um, and then in ministry, I had to like coming out of the school system. I had to negotiate my pay ahead of time. So once I was in the position, because I had negotiated that, I just felt almost like I don't know. I don't know how I felt, Crystal. What about you? I have the exact same story. I'm listening to you, and I'm like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was in public education for eight years, so our pay was published, and everybody knew what it was, and it was the exact same for everybody in the same position, no matter how good or bad you were at your job. Hmm. And so when I left that, I negotiated pay on the front end of jobs, but never, never in the middle. Hmm. Yeah. What about you, Chef? Well, started in education where my salary was a public document. Um, and then actually I started as a full-time sub, which meant I was less than Mm -hmm. the public document, you know, which meant I was a full-time teacher, but not guaranteed a new job. So that deserves to be paid less. So, you know, the following year. So that was fun. And then when I came to Georgia, surprised at the difference in pay from Pennsylvania to Georgia, that was interesting. Good or bad? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I think it's gotten better. Um, but it's just different. It, that's union up north and then not union down here. So, mm-hmm. you know, benefits were, anyway, it was surprising. One time I looked up what a manager at McDonald's makes yeah. and they made more than me as a wow, teacher in the classroom. For sure. And I, I had some, some questions in mind about whether I yeah. should change jobs. I actually remember um, doing swimming lessons between my school year and realizing I could make more in probably five months of this than I do the rest of the year <laughs> as a teacher. But, um, you know, that's just part of the deal. That being said, um, I did that for five years and then I went to a private school and they came after me because they needed a physics teacher and some help with technology. And, um, I wanted to be administrator. So they, for the first time I had leverage, I guess. Mm. And, uh, it became the first time I thought, Hmm, I actually can turn the job down. And I did. And they came back and it was like an awakening to, Oh, okay. Mm. This is how that works. And I have asked for raises 
several times, and I've been asked for raises many more times. And so I've got some experience in this hmm. world. It's always weird. It's always strange. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, right? and I think some churches have kind of policies where they do have kind of some cost of living raises where that's kind of built in. So yeah. for some people listening, maybe they have gotten, I mean, I remember getting raises where that was just kind of a part of like, yeah. hey, you know, we've got Isn't another... is that pretty standard? Is that not 3%? Standard? I don't yeah, know. It's I don't 2 know. to 3% depending on, there's a published number and then they adjust to that. I mean, that happened when we were in education and I think it's happened here because if you don't give a 3% cost of living raise, you're really... Getting a reduction in yeah. pay every year. Well, it depends. With- there was actually the year we had, you know, the big uh, 2007 or whatever, yeah. that the cost of living actually went down for the first time. And so organizations were in this, can we take money away Do from we people? Do decrease, oh, decrease wow. their pay? Um, and so actually not getting a raise was a raise as far as yeah. oh, wow. the power of your money. It was an interesting time. But to your point, most of the time, you know, it's like getting the opposite of a raise. When you think about the power of your money. So yeah. Interesting. So there's there's just this tension that always exists when talking about probably money just in general, no matter what the job is. That's just an uncomfortable situation. But there's probably even more so when it comes to the church, right? Because we're not in it for the money. Right. We're in it for the kingdom. We're in it for all these other different things. And so what do you think makes us so uncomfortable about talking about money when it comes to ministry? It's hard to ask for more money when your pay comes from the tithes of little old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just feel like a Absolutely. greedy jerk yeah. when you ask for more money. Can I have more of Martha's tithe, please? <laughs> the one lady carrying this organization? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it's awkward because you're basically saying, hey, do you think I'm worth what you're paying me? Mm. You know? Um, and one thing that if you manage people, I think you should say often is, None of us are actually paid what we're worth in ministry. Like that's just Hmm. true. At the end of the day, the organization cannot afford what you're worth in the business world. Hmm. And, and as you said, Brett, we are here for more than salary, but we also have, we have to pay for the cost of the family. We have to, we have to exist. And so there, there's that balance of, um, and it probably comes, it will come up again as we talk about advice for when you ask for a raise, but you just have to be realistic about this is what it costs. And yeah. all of us have made the decision, if you're in ministry, to take less as far as pay for more in purpose, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, that's just part of it. But that doesn't mean Christmas is easier for yeah. us um, because you can't pay for kids' gifts on purpose or you can't pay tuition right. on purpose. So, And I think for a lot of our listeners, this was true for me. It's not even about asking for a raise. It's about asking to be paid Mm. because you've been a volunteer for so long or you've been bivocational for so long. The big ask is not more money. It's some money. Mm. No, that's a huge point. I know in education, when you're a great substitute teacher, sometimes they, you get stuck and the organization likes you there because you happily do it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to put your foot down Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I love doing this. I want to do this forever. I can't continue to do this yeah. mm-hmm. for nothing. Going off what you just said, Crystal, I think we were actually just talking about this in the Rethinking Youth Ministry Women's Network um, Facebook group. So if you're not part of it, please join it. But there's this like whole other level of being a female in ministry mm. where it's often talked about how they have to fight to be paid or to even be paid for 40 hours. Yeah. 
even though they're doing way more than 40 hours. And so it seems like we so often read conversations like, well, I asked for a raise or I asked to be full-time and they said no. Yeah. And so it's like this constant, like people are asking for it, but because they don't maybe deserve the same pay in some ways, which sucks to say, but something Crystal said the other day, I thought was so well said. We were talking about this and you said a lot of times as a female, you approach the table with your boss instead of this is what I'm worth. Like, can I have a raise? You more approach it with the attitude of like, I'm just so grateful to be here. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so profound and so true. Why? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is true though. As a woman, you approach the table differently. And in fact, I was listening to a podcast this week about it and they were quoting and we can, we can link to the data, but they were quoting that in broader culture, the pay gap between men and women for the same job is 20%. And of course, there's all the reasons for that, right? Women leave the workforce for a period of time, often to have children, and then they come back. But if you take all of those external factors away, and you have people who've been in in the workforce for the exact same amount of time, doing the exact same job with the exact same education, there's still an 8% Hmm. in broader culture at 8% difference between men and women, which when you think about that in terms of $10,000 increments... Yeah. That's a lot. And I don't know I don't know how we talk about that without sounding angry or yeah. without yeah. sounding mm-hmm. like a whiner or like saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's unfair." But right. it is unfair. Right. Did it say anything about what that looks like in ministry? No. It was not a ministry podcast, okay. and so they didn't address it. I imagine I imagine that the pay gap is larger just yeah. because I would think so. Of the history of the church with women. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because churches are a nonprofit, so there is a bit of a some public documentation as far as highest paid folks and stuff like that. So that's an interesting twist on it. You know, I I feel like I was at a healthy church who was ahead of the curve with some of this stuff and had stuff to do when when they took took the salaries and averaged them out and looked at experience and education and um, it was like okay, this has happened accidentally. Because of the culture, because of how it went, and it, and it does need fixed up. I mean, I feel like I was also part of that. I remember I got a substantial raise, and I thought, huh, I know how organizations work. I did not, you know, I did. I had a great year, but I didn't earn that. This was part of a correction, hmm. which means I've been underpaid for a, for a <laughs> season, you know. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand the organization can't just go, I man, I was kind of joking about, I'm sure the school system would go back and retroactively pay. Like, there are only so many resources. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I want to pay everybody more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, as a manager, when people would ask me for raises, it was always like this balance between if it were up to me, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but my job is, you know, and this is what I mean. Sometimes I felt like I'm getting paid more than you because I have to do this really hard thing and say no or not yet or yeah. not as much, mm-hmm. you know. But that had nothing to do with how I feel about you. That's yeah. just the reality that the resources are limited. And though we want to do a correction, it mm-hmm. would sink this thing. Yeah. And then your other choice is, and maybe it, maybe it's the right thing to do, is people. some people need to take a cut to balance it, you know. But if there's a way to avoid that yeah. and move forward, yeah. let's figure that out. That- um, cause that's so hard. That was always a struggle that I had with, with asking is the idea that, okay, if I asked for, let's just say $5,000 more, right. 
that like that five thousand dollars had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Like, was mm-hmm. that coming from my budget, my youth budget? Was that coming from you know the the potential to hire another role that we needed at the church? Was that right. coming from you know the children's ministry? You know, person. You know, and yeah. so that was always a fear for me of like. Well, I don't even know that I want to ask for more because then I'm going to feel guilty that it did it come from another area that that needed it too. Yeah. All right. So let's get practical a little bit here. What do you think is important for us to remember and how we ask? So we're at a place where we're willing, we're ready. We've had the conversation with ourselves in the mirror. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You deserve this raise. <laughs> let's have this conversation. What are some things we need to remember and how we how we have this conversation? Well, I think that the the first thing you might want to ask yourself is, how do I see the person I need to ask? Hmm. Like, do I see them as, you know, a Grinch? Do I see them as someone who doesn't want to get me a raise? Or do I see them as someone... Here's the thing. My guess is they probably would love to give you a raise. Hmm. And they're dealing with a world where there are limited amounts of resources. So just that shift in attitude will change the yeah. tone of your voice, yeah. will change your approach. And a couple other things, like... You know, sometimes we think, I don't know why they won't give me a raise. Well, raises are normally a once a year thing somebody's got to think about because the organization is in a certain rhythm. Right. I mean, it takes quite a, you know, it takes an amazing thing to jolt somebody out of the normal day to day and go, I should go start the process in an organization to figure out how to give this person a raise. So again, there's a rhythm, a rhythmic thing to it. And um, they're just doing the best (laughs) they can most of the time. And just to empathize with the fact that one, if you believe they would want to give you a raise and that they've got to balance a limited amount of resources with all the folks they need to address, again, it just changes the tone in how you ask. You're raising something, not necessarily yeah. going... If you feel like you're going in to fight for yourself without ever asking, it's probably not going to go... I mean, you might get it, yeah, but I just think there's a better first approach. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to... You might not have to get to a place where you literally have to fight for your own you know, sure. dignity and worth. But that should not be the first step. So I would just start with that. Like, try to empathize with the person you're asking. Ask yourself the question, how do I see them? That's good. If that makes sense. Yeah. What else? Any other thoughts? How how we should ask? How we should approach those kind of conversations? I had a negotiation conversation once um, at the beginning of a new role at the same company. And... I began the conversation by saying, hey, I know it can always feel a little weird to talk about money. And the other person said, well, why don't we just decide it's not weird? Hmm. And it was so helpful in the moment to go, oh, you know what? We can decide that. I thought you were going to say we that can decide she said, why not- don't we decide not to talk about it then? <laughs> right. Moving on. Next no. agenda item. No, I thought it was a really <laughs> healthy decision. Oh, if I don't act like it's weird, it's not weird. Yeah. Everybody has to deal with money. Why don't we just talk about it like two normal human beings that yeah. think the best of each other? Right. Be transparent about why we're asking, what we're thinking, and yeah. use it to start a conversation, not come in guns blazing. If this doesn't happen, I'm going to leave. Right. I don't know that that's helpful. Well, I think to, if any of you are listening and you are on the other side of this where people ask you for a raise, I think that's an amazing tip. And I always I learned this from the, my boss when I would ask. He, he would always say... You never have to apologize for that. That's you being a responsible, hmm. you know, person and husband and father. So you should ask that question and you should ask that question, you know, on a yearly basis. You can ask too much, but, yeah. <laughs> but I never, you know, I was always pretty careful about it, but I always thought mm, every time someone asked me for a raise, that's the first thing I'm going to say is thanks for asking. I know this is awkward for you. Please don't make it awkward. It's not awkward for me. Let's talk about it yeah. hmm. um, and go from there. So. It's hard. It, it's it's awesome hearing that, 
but it just doesn't often feel like that is what's communicated at any other point, not from right. you, but like in right. general, you know? And I don't know if that's just the way I think about it. I hate talking about money in general when it has to do with my money, Yeah. but I will advocate for other people right. and their money. Yeah. You know, I have no problem doing that, but I'm curious, chef, you have years of experience of this. Are there certain times that you see people often ask for raises? Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that would be one of my tips of advice is to look for the appropriate times or even inappropriate times. <laughs> I mean, that it just makes sense yeah. to the world. You know, again, you're, you're dealing with somebody who's got to decide between all these different resources and they're just moments in people's lives. Like for instance, the best time to ask for a raise is before you've said yes to the job. Hmm. That's what the best time. And that, I would always, when I would, you know, make an offer to candidates and they would come back and say, can I get a little more? I would always say, let's talk about that. And don't, again, don't make it feel weird, but this is the best time to ask for a job because yeah. I've got my mindset. I want this person. I've already started planning how to put them in place and it's the perfect time to come back and say, so I would always, I never accept a job with the first offer would be one piece of advice. Yeah. I would always come back and ask for a little bit more. Again, be respectful. And I'm sure there are, there are issues with that, but I would also, it would be a warning flag to me that the organization would, was, took that as a super negative. Mm. Um, because that's a greed, not a greedy organization, mm. but just not a. Wise so, so if you come back and they they've made their offer, you come back and counter. So you're saying if that church, if that organization kind of comes back and shames you in some way for asking for more, yeah, like boom, red flag. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is this a might not be a great yeah. spot for me, um, especially if you know they anyway I, that they haven't thought about the responsibilities you have and that yeah. you know you're thinking through. I mean, you're going to move somewhere and commit to something. Yep. You're just thinking through it. Um, I've always thought, okay, this is a smart person and a brave person is one thing I thought. Like, that's great. I want that sort of person yep. on my team. Another time is transitions. I think transitions are always an opportunity. I remember one time I transitioned from one campus to another, and it was going to be another 30 miles a day of fuel. Hmm. And I just brought that up and said, is there a way we can adjust for that? And that, you know, it made sense. People, and they said, sure, let's, yeah. that makes sense. And it was even the same job, but because it was going to be more cost to me, that's got to come yeah. from somewhere. And so they, uh, they adjusted. Those are good times to transition. I think a new degree, a graduate degree is a great time yep. to transition. Now, in, in the school system, it's very clear that you get more money when you get a degree. In the church system, it's not. Mm. In fact, I've heard it said, you don't get more money for degrees in some organizations. And I thought, well, that's a terrible decision. Yeah, or that could be, right. whether that's educational degrees or whether that's like a license sure. or ordination no, or whatever those yeah. kind of things might yeah. look like. A lot of times churches have those those kind of milestones. Right. And again, yeah, some of those are laid out in, in handbooks or in conversations or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes it's totally ambiguous and you have to be the one to say like, yeah. hey, like, you know, a few months away from getting my ordination or from right. getting my master's, you know, is there a way for compensation yeah. to be adjusted yeah. because of this? And those are all thick ice things I can jump up and down and say, now I'm going to move out onto the thin ice because this is going to have some ramifications. When you get married or you have children, I don't know that you deserve to be paid more because of that, but I do know that it makes sense to people to make an ask when yeah. that happens. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... There's that. I feel like I'm on thin ice. Any? You are on thin ice. <laughs> yeah. He's like trying not to make eye contact with us right yeah. now because we're like, we will cut you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, why will you cut me? I think this is a really important conversation. Because I was a single person working right. well in into my 30s. 
And I remember thinking, man, I don't do less work. I actually do more work because yeah. I don't have to go pick up the kids. Yeah. But people would tell me to my face, I should be paid less. And it was like, that was really hard to hear when I know that I'm actually working more They really more said hours. that out loud? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> that you should be paid less because you're single? Absolutely. Yes. Well, that's jacked up. I mean, I guess I see how it happens naturally because, again, I just think it makes sense. to One, you're thinking, how am I going to pay for this? <laughs> and two, you know, then it just makes sense to ask during those times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see how it happens. I can't imagine how you can logically tell somebody because they're single. No. They should be paid Or less. that you deserve to not be paid at all. Yeah. Because... Uh-huh. Well, well when, anyway. <laughs> when you said it's logical because it's like, how am I going to afford this? That's what a single person thinks, too. I mean, I've sure. lived in an apartment for 14 years because I can't afford to buy a house by myself. Right. You know, and so like as a single person, you the don't have another income. higher when you're single. Right. Uh, yeah. So right. it's <laughs> in some ways it's <laughs> it's harder because there are not yeah. two incomes. I've decided to drive a better car, so I'd need a race. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. But, I've decided but, to get married or I've decided to have children. But me saying I right. really want to buy a house, right. that wouldn't sound good. But that's like that's, if I'm choosing not to get married and I'm choosing not to have kids mm-hmm. and that's my stumbling block, okay. it just doesn't come across in my opinion the and, same. No, I don't think it does. And again, we're not talking about, we're talking about opportunities to ask yeah. for raises and what feels right, not what is right. Right. right? And so I agree. That's a, yeah. that's a different thing, but to, I, there might be a way to think through, Hey, you know, I'm getting older. It's time for me to start investing long-term. I, I need to move from renting to real estate. I think, I, I think there's a way, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it, it all comes down to the person you're talking to, yeah. but um, I think there's a way to make it sound better. But yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's a disadvantage. And it's sure. hard because it's like, I mean, God created marriage and he created the family and the church is really built around a family, Yeah, you know? And so it makes sense why it is that way. But it's also hard when the church leadership, it, it almost sometimes feels like that's what they value the most, you know, hmm. instead of the actual work you're doing. It's almost like, I don't know. What do you think, Crystal? You were in my shoes. Yes. I mean, yes to all of it. It's just hard to hear. I understand why people get paid more when they have children or when they get married. I understand that there's more cost to it, but there's also, in our culture, we associate value with money. And so when you say you shouldn't be paid more because you don't have children, there is a part of that that feels like we value you less because you don't have children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me me throw this out. You know, I said that um, a good time is maybe when you're getting married. I'm guessing that you might say uh, it would be different for a man to ask than a woman to ask in that situation. Always. Well, yeah, for sure. Okay. I was even having a conversation. My sister, who's a doctor, Mm -hmm. she was saying they have this exact same struggle in her field as a female doctor. And she's watched so many people like get hired you know, males and females paid so differently. Hmm. And they've actually even said, well, because uh, a female doctor, you'll marry a guy who can provide for you, which they you don't say that to a female doctor. Oh, <laughs> but, but that is often the message that said, whether it's like direct or indirect. Yeah. I think that's important and tough, but I think it's important because that is our culture mm-hmm. and we can have a conversation about how culture should change, which right. I think we should because man is the provider in our culture, which mm-hmm. is a good thing in many families and, yeah. and not a reality in, in many others. Right. But 
part of the solution to that, I think, is, you know, one, we can change, we can't change culture, but we can change or we can do something about our current reality. I think yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that becomes eventually part of culture change, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love for us to have an episode one day specifically about pay gap. Yeah. Because I do think that it's not just a women in ministry pay gap. There's a minority pay gap. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different right. pay gaps. Yeah. But maybe the answer to the pay gap is figuring out how to ask for what you're worth. Yeah. Well, so, it's at least part of the answer. Yeah. yeah. Part of the answer. Good. And can, can I make a quick comment yeah, about yeah. what you're worth? Because this has been hard. Let me tell you how I've felt this. We wrote a book years ago called Lead Small, and I've been asked to speak and everybody asks my rates. And I feel the exact same mm. pressures and yep. tensions that I did before. And here's what made me feel better about it because I'm not cheap and I'm not cheap, not because I'm worth it. And this is what I've learned to say to people. I'm like, look, here's my rate. And I'm not saying that I'm worth it to you, but I am worth it to my family on the weekend, hmm. if this makes sense. So I made the decision based on what I charge. You know, with my wife, we sat down and said, what is it worth, you know, for me? Or how many weekends? Could I be away? Yeah. And then what is it actually worth? And in some ways it sounds terrible, but it was like, what, what do we need to pay for? Yeah. You know, and if it's volleyball for the month or whatever, you know, that's basically how I figured out my rates. Not what I think I'm worth in the market because I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not worth that, but, um, but what I'm worth, <laughs> but missing a swim meet, like what's that worth? And yeah. it's hard to put money to it, right. but it, it does make me feel better about saying, you know, this is what I charge. And if you can't do it, I completely understand, but my family can't do it either yeah. without me. Mm-hmm. So it just helped me It's good. kind of put, you know. I don't know. Makes me feel better about it. Yeah, no, totally. It makes sense. Well, I think that there I think that there is clarity for us when we're able to kind of like we talked about when we're able to have kind of a, a specific win or a specific what that has triggered the conversation. I think that that's helpful overall to the conversation, whether it's one of these transitions, whether it's additional responsibility. You know, one of the things that, that, that I think are really helpful if you step into those conversations is that if it's clear to the person that you're asking that you've done some research and that you have some really tangible evidence of how your role has increased in value or how you have mm-hmm. increased the value of the ministry of the church or different things like that. So, I mean, if you sit down, we know everything's not about numbers. That's not, you know, the conversation we're getting into. But if you sit down and you talk about how, hey, you know, four years ago when I started here, we were averaging this amount of students. We've grown by, you know, this percent. We are The engagement is this many, you know, this many more adults per week are involved. But when we're able to, to sit down and have some of those tangible pieces that we can say, hey, my, my role has evolved, my role has changed, the influence, the responsibilities that I have on a week in and week out basis, and really the overall influence that that, that has in the life of the church has has shifted, has changed, and I would love to be, you know, compensated accordingly right. based on the worth that I feel like I have towards the organization, towards the church, whatever, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Any any other ideas you could have as as far as resources that, that that we could use? Again, it's not about us kind of going in with ammunition to defeat whoever, right. but but it is helpful for us to go in because there are times, you know, the last church that I was at, I had a senior pastor that trusted me. That we had conversations every now and then. I, I I wasn't his direct, you know, he wasn't my direct report. So we weren't having weekly conversations and updates about what was happening in my ministry. So when it came time for these kind of conversations, 
he didn't necessarily know. He didn't know. It was news to him. A lot of a lot of these or, things yeah. that, that might be happening. So, you know, it can be not just ammunition, but important just that they understand right. the landscape. So what are some other things you could think of that might be resources for us walking in that could help? Well, I think there are several reports that report the average salaries. Usually they're based on church size or student mm-hmm. size. It's, I mean, they break it down. Again, the denominations are different. But, I mean, what you're getting to say in that without saying it yep. is, hey, there are churches willing to pay me more. You know, I don't want to go anywhere. Right. Again, you're not threatening. You're just saying, you know, across the board, this is what people are paid to do, the work I'm I do. I'm so glad you brought up those reports because <laughs> one of the things I see sometimes, and we're in a ton of youth pastor Facebook groups and they're really fun, but one of the <laughs> things I see that kind of drives me crazy is people posting, how much do you get paid? Yeah. And I know that... I know why they're doing it. I would right. I would take those numbers back to an elder board or, or to a boss. But what it sounds like on the other side of that conversation is I asked all my friends on Facebook. Right. And I want you to pay me the same thing in Wichita, <laughs> Kansas right. for 12 kids. Right. And somebody's getting paid in L.A. for 1,000 kids. Yeah. It's not apples to apples. Right. But there are such good reports there out are. there. The Youth Cartel has one. It's called the Youth Ministry Salary and Compensation Report. Mm-hmm. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's it's an incredible yep. resource, yeah. and it covers everything from education to number of kids to denomination. Good. So you can have some real data. And there's also reports out there that talk about numbers and how that affects things and how what what is the ideal number of staff members that are getting paid versus the amount of students that are showing up that can be helpful because if you are the only paid staff person in a youth ministry and you have regularly 150 students that are showing up on a weekly basis yeah. that should affect I mean, your responsibilities are completely different. If you've got 50 adults that you're, that you're in charge of, that you're developing, that you're leading, that's very different than a, a situation where maybe three years ago when it was 20 adults or, right. or 25 adults. And there are reports that can help give you kind of some norms of per 100 students in youth ministry, there should be this many staff members that could yeah. be helpful too. I had uh, an official report I had to fill out when I hired someone at my last job and it asked questions and I had to basically argue for the salary I was asking for. And the questions they asked were, how many people would report to this person? How many just like students or, mm-hmm. or adults would they be responsible for? How many volunteers reported to them? The amount of budget that they managed, mm-hmm. their educational level, and it did not ask about their um, married situation or how many kids they had, um, which was probably wise from an HR standpoint. I was going to yeah. say, um, is that legal? Yeah, sure. probably not. Probably not a legal thing, uh, nor race, nor mm-hmm. gender or any of that. Yeah. So, um, but that, those are all things that I feel like if it's on a report, those are some of the things that you can use as part of. But again, I feel like that's the second conversation. I feel like the first one is assume they would like to pay you some more mm-hmm. and go in there and just say, this is the reality of my life and what I need <laughs> to keep moving. I love working here, um, but I haven't had a raise in five years. Yeah. And that might be news to your boss who wants to right. give you a raise, you know? Um, oh, really? How did we miss that? Yeah. You know, again, because they've got so much to think about. Um, but you should be prepared to defend your position yeah. for sure. Can I add something that I think maybe every listener we have has already thought about this, but I hadn't thought about it. And that was when I left education because my pay was published, we were always hmm. able to talk openly about it. There was yeah. nothing weird about chatting up a coworker about what we get paid or complaining to a coworker about what we get paid. And I think that might also be true in a lot of churches where they publish the budget, 
So everyone in church knows what you're paid, mm. that it becomes mm. kind of the norm to talk about it. And I, I think that that can lose us influence. I didn't know that when I moved to a different job. And very quickly I learned that that is not an okay thing to talk about with coworkers. And mm-hmm. should the higher ups learn that that's what you're doing, it, it's not perceived as a friendly conversation. Hmm. It's perceived as, you know, spreading dissent or yeah, whatever. And right. so I think it's, it's just helpful to know that that's a great conversation to have with your boss. It's not a great conversation to have with other people on staff. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is, you know, how we go into the conversation matters, going in with some perspective, some empathy for the other side, uh, going in with, you know, the right tone of voice that this isn't, a, you know, a, a fight to win sort of a conversation, but kind of going in with the right, the right attitude, the right mindset. Uh, we've talked about that there are some specific times that it's better to ask. There are certain times of year where you're just going to have more traction because they're thinking about budget. They're trying to figure those kind of things out. Uh, when there are transitions that happen in your role, responsibility changes that you're happening in your role, there are some specific times that make more sense and others on when to bring this up. Any last thoughts on the on the actual how how do I ask for a raise that we've missed? So Barbara Corcoran, you know the the Shark Tank lady? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has a podcast. Who knew? Um, and one of her episodes is about asking for a raise, and she talks about how this is one of those conversations you always need to make an appointment for Mm -hmm. and you never walk into someone's office and surprise them Mm. with this kind of conversation Mm -hmm. because they're instantly on the defensive. I thought that was helpful. Now, do you make the appointment and saying, Hey, I'd like to talk about my salary package. I'd like to talk about getting a raise. Or do you think you just make the appointment and saying, Hey, can we sit down next week? Depends on if I'm the boss or the employee. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. If I'm the leader, I would love to know a heads up that that's coming. If I'm the employee, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Or a general, I'd love to talk about my future and what you Mm -hmm. see. I mean, I love to lead with questions. You know, how do you see this is going in the organization? Where do you see me going in the future? Um, Do you feel like there's an opportunity for me to lead in a broader context Mm -hmm. in the future here? Just some thoughts. I was also going to say, I've asked for raises for other people before, and I do think it's helpful to know way in advance. So just like chef, you were saying like there's certain times in the year where you can actually go to your, your higher ups Mm -hmm. or, you know, the budget process or whatever. So to know that that is, that that's what they want, but they're not demanding it right then. Mm. And they're just telling you like, Hey, by the end of this year, I want to be here. It really sets me up to advocate for them better. I can say that's super helpful. I mean, to know a couple months out as I'm going into the conversation, as the boss and have, you know, several people under you who, who need to be adjusted in that way, you know, it's just nice to know how much, you know, again, you've got a couple of people's names in mind when you sit down and that just helps. Yeah. And it helps when in the, in the leadership team meeting, you know, cause I'm going to be asked before I hand out raises, how much more do I need for this year? Or what's right. your budget look like this year? And we're going to have those conversations at the high level with no names. It's like, we know we need to figure out ways to have money or, or we know we have to figure out how to give some more money to people as they're developing. Like, what do you think that is? And the more, the more time I have to think about that and to really come up with a number, the better I can make the ask in the leadership team, which the better I can answer the question yeah. um, <laughs> down the line. So it is always helpful. I used to do that with hires too. A year out from when I thought I was going to make the hire, I would start the conversation and say, this is something that's coming down the line just to kind of keep it on everybody's hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
any other really practical pieces on on how we ask? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like any other conversation. Write out the sentence that you need to say. Think through how you're going to say it. Practice it. And don't leave the meeting until you've said the conversation. I think the other thing you need to be prepared for is you need to be prepared to answer the question, how much more mm. do you think mm. you need? And mm-hmm. it needs you need to have a number in mind to say. Um, you don't have to say it. Is this where you write it on a piece of paper, put it face down and slide it across the desk? With a check yes or check no. Yeah, right. And I would think, you know, I would think through it. Unless you're drastically underpaid, I would think through what seems to be like a good percentage. Yeah. You know, like 5, 10% seems, you know, like responsible. You're probably going to get a 3% cost of living anyway. So Mm -hmm. now you're talking 2 to 7%. And if you could back up, you know, the average salary across the country for for what I do um, is this. And I'm just trying to kind of catch up yeah. there. I think that that helps as well. Yeah. All right. So let's say you're in a situation where you sit down, you've, you've worked up the courage, you've, you've asked for a raise and you're not getting the empathetic response on the other yeah. side, like yeah. you were hoping for. You're getting some, some guilt or some shame or some frustration, some, how dare you, some, what are you doing in this role anyway? Is this all about money for you? So if we find ourselves, God forbid, in that, in that situation, what do you do? A job search is a great... <laughs> <laughs> Orange leaderboard. <laughs> no, I think... I think there's an important distinction in those conversations to figure out, are they saying that we don't have it? Hmm. We just don't have the money to give you, or we want to, but we don't think you're there yet. Those are really fair responses. If they're questioning your integrity as as a follower of Jesus for asking for a raise, I think that's a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And maybe we need to figure out, is that like a, is that a heart issue for the church? Yeah. And do we need to begin to look somewhere else? There, There is a very unhealthy thing out there that the church runs responsible people into the ground because, you know, they're paying them with purpose and not, you know, value and, or, or the cash value. And, um, it's just a real thing. And I would give, again, give your leaders the benefit of the doubt because they've lived in that culture forever. But it, it, if someone starts shaming you or making you feel guilty and you've got a responsible ask, I think it's a bigger issue. Yeah. Like, is this the sort of leadership you know, this is a culture that needs changed and you just might not have the power to change. Yeah. You know, and that, that's just a reality of a broken world. So something I also hear a lot in those conversations is they don't get an answer either way. Hmm. It's like, they just get put off. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that again. And just like, it's like a, almost like a control strategy to not have to give a raise yeah. or mm-hmm. not say no. And that's like the worst. Cause it's like, so do I stay positive and hopeful that we're going to have the conversation yeah. or am I like, okay, you just don't want to talk about it. When you feel like that, I, one of the pieces I've learned to do is ask, um, so do you feel like I can bring this up again in 60 mm. days, 90 days? Is yep. there a time that would be better for me to bring that up? If you feel like you're just on that conveyor belt of, yeah, we should talk about that, which is... It's a very real thing. (laughs) It's a very real thing. It happens all the time. It's good advice. Um, But it helps, you know, the leader think, okay, this is going to come back. Let me put this on my to-do list, you know, or the, I think Crystal, your point is great. Sometimes the money's just not there. It's Mm -hmm. not personal. Sometimes you're not ready for a raise. Sometimes the organization's looking at you and say, and saying, no, we think we're paying you what the value to this organization. 
And that's hard truth, but it's, mm. but it's true. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're shaming you. It doesn't mean yeah. that they think you're all about and, money. Well, in, in that situation, I think we need to be ready to say, I would, then I would love, can I get some feedback then on, yeah. on what, that's a great response. what would some of those yeah. things be? What would you like to see out of my leadership, out of my ministry, out yeah. of me? that you feel like would kind of get me to that next right. level. So I think that's great. Which is a hard question to ask sometimes because yeah. then, you know, mm-hmm. we got to look in the mirror and ask them some really, ask really difficult questions about ourselves, our skills, our leadership, our willingness to change all those kind of things. I know that another reality is when people ask for a raise, it's, it's all about numbers. So, I mean, what you do as a youth pastor for 50 kids is not that different in my humble opinion as what you do for a hundred kids mm. because like, you still have the meetings, you still have volunteers, you yeah. still have all mm-hmm. of the events. So if your pay is tied to your numbers and you, like, and that's the response, how do you navigate that? <laughs> yeah. I would push back on that a little bit. And I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, Hey, we're going to have a program anyway. We're going to be doing like if a hundred kids show up, if 50 kids show up, what's and that the is difference? true of programming. But, yeah, but, but leadership is more but, than programming. But for right? me, I'm thinking about how many more small group leaders yeah. do I need? What are the what are the systems that I have to spend way more time in building in order to to create? When it comes to follow up, when it comes to parents that are reaching out, when it comes to relational issues that I'm handling, that I'm dealing with, when it comes to the kind of trips that we're going to be taking, when it comes to the extra planning that kind of goes along with. You know, I know we yeah. you know we used doubling the amount of students as an example, but when there when there is more students to me there is more responsibility there's more things that are happening there's more more there's volunteers more, to manage there's right? more volunteers to manage there's more plates that 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 are spinning and so while i would 100 percent agree intrinsically a, a ministry that has 100 students isn't more valuable to the kingdom than a ministry that has you know 10 students sort of a thing and that that isn't me wanting to i don't know that's hard because then i'm asking myself am i am i then devaluing the youth worker who's leading that church of 15 students versus I'm not saying that person is is worth more but there is a different level of of responsibility. I don't know. That's I think, well, that's hard. I agree that there's a different level of responsibility. I don't think it's proportional to the number of kids though. Like a youth worker with 15 kids if they had 150 would not be paid 10 times more. Right. You know what I mean? And so I don't think we can tie it directly to the number of kids because the work level goes up, the responsibility level goes up. I don't know that it goes up proportionally to the number yeah. of kids. So what? let's say you go and you ask for a raise and their response is, you, let's say you have 100 kids, you lay out all of the facts like we talked about and they're like, not until you have 150 kids. Or if they don't give you a number, which that's happened to me before. Sure. Is... When can I make another hire on my team? And the response is, well, you know, as the ministry keeps growing and you're like, but what's the number that it needs to get to? And I think that that takes time. I mean, as North Point grew, I remember asking that question and the the answer was, we don't know yet. You know, like you need to help inform us on how much more work it is to add so many more students because that adds so many more small group leaders, which adds so many more interviews, which adds, Mm -hmm. you know, so many more peanut allergies to deal with all that, (laughs) all that good stuff. And then eventually as we grew, we got to the place where 
and it changed quite a bit, but we were like, let's try. And then the question was, do we base it on attendance or do we base it on roster? Do we base it on how many volunteers we have? Mm. Yeah. Um, because attendance and roster are different creatures. Mm. Attendance and how many volunteers you have are different levels of responsibility. So I would just say as the organization grows, part of your job is to inform, okay. you know, those, they don't know what you do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. almost nobody knows how hard camp is. You know, when you're so working true. 23 hours a day mm-hmm. and maybe sleeping for an hour and running and adult folks don't understand adult groups, people, for instance, don't understand what it's like to pick up the phone and call a government agency because a kid is being abused. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, people just don't know. And so mm-hmm. it's part of our job to respectfully and humbly educate mm-hmm. those who don't do it into just how tough and important a job this is, That's you know? Good. But again, you also can't be frustrated with the fact that they don't know because they don't you know, invite yeah. them to camp. I remember I'll, I would always <laughs> invite them to camp. I would always, I always invited our financial guy who was a photographer to come to camp hmm. to take pictures. One, he was an amazing photographer. Two, he never charged me, you know, and three, it's just a good idea for folks to see mm-hmm. camp because yeah. it, there's just nothing like it. You know, there's just nothing. I may have told this story before, but it's one of my favorite moments. I I worked on the high school camp team here at Orange for a long time. And one of our churches was actually charged vacation days to their staff to come to camp. Oh, my gosh. Which was it was mind blowing to me. Let's not even talk. And the next year. (laughs) Isn't that great? It's like the air just got sucked out of the room. Everyone's faces. I know you can't see them, but it's incredible right now. But one of the smartest things they did is they invited their executive pastor and their senior pastor to come the next year and observe camp. And I don't know if they said, give us feedback. I, I know that at the end of that camp, they changed the policy. They refunded their vacation. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Because they said we had no idea. Good for them. Right. Yeah. And that's good leadership. Know, right? They yeah. can't know unless we invite them to see those yeah. things. Right. One of the things, um, as you were talking, it also made me think one of the things that was helpful to me, we, uh, we created a, a position in one of the divisions here a a while back that was, it was honestly something that hadn't existed before. So there was no way to know what that was going to take, what that was going to look like, what it was worth, how much work it was, how much stress it was. I couldn't even educate anybody because we just didn't know. And so one of the things we did is we began doing this job is just tracking hours. And I know none of us like, you know, we're not paid hourly, but also time is our only non-renewable resource. And so I was so surprised using Mm -hmm. a time tracker app of how much longer I spent on certain things than I thought, Hmm. you know, showing how much time I spent in communication in emails, in phone calls. Um, I used the app toggle if that's helpful. And you just tap a button every time you're working and then it'll ask you later what we were working on. And it was, it was so helpful to have a printout and go, here's what it really takes. Interesting. I'm downloading, downloading it right Because <laughs> I want to know how I spend my day. I know. Well, another thing, Ashley, kind of back to the example that you brought up. I think that that's why outside entities and reports can be so yeah. helpful. Um, mm. So Ministry Architects has some what they call norms where they say that $1,250 per student is what should be included in, for a thriving youth ministry, $1,250 per student when it comes to the programming budget and, you know, personnel, oh, for the budget. everything. Not for your pay. I was thinking, no, 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 not for the, no, not for, not for the pay, but everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything the church puts into student ministry, $1,250 yeah, per student. That's an interesting number. And then one wow. full-time person per 50, per 50 youth and one volunteer per every five youth. Again, these are kind of broader numbers and all the research they've done and all the ministries they've been involved with and kind of the ones that they feel like are the healthiest that are the most thriving. So again, it's helpful 
are, is this right in every single church? I, I, don't, right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's where, to me, it's helpful to be able to draw outside of just my own experience and take a look at what what are some of these other reports? What are some of these yeah. other things that people that are that are looking at all the different pieces? Kind of what do they that's say? Because that 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 is, I mean, that whole that whole scenario. I mean, I'm kind of talking on both sides of my head with with that and trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. It's tough where mm-hmm. where I would land with that. Wow. All right. So as we bring this to a close, let's say we ask the question. Maybe it went well. Maybe it didn't. But the answer was no. Regardless, the money's just not there. So, what are some things that maybe that we can do, or we can still ask of the church that will help kind of bridge that gap that we were hoping the money in the raise would have done that we're not going to get? How do we find it in other places? Well, I think if you just again consider your boss or consider the the organization that there's money in different pots for different reasons. So, are mm-hmm. there ways that you can lean into some of those things? I think you could say, hey, I noticed. There's a part-time position over there available. I feel like I could pick that responsibility up. And now you've opened up, oh, that's how we can pay them. I think, you know, is there a program to help pay for grad school? Mm. That could be a way, you know, that's money that's not coming out of your account is maybe um, have you turned in your cell phone receipt? You Mm. know, maybe you bring it up for the first time. You know, I, I use my cell phone primarily for work. Could I help get that paid? Do you turn in your mileage? Maybe you're driving from school to school and you're putting on, uh, uh, you know, a hundred miles a week in the, you know, what is the current mileage rate? I mean, it's 50 some cents, isn't it? 50, so I mean, like that. that's 50 bucks a week that matters. Um, would you pay for me to go to a counselor <laughs> or a financial <laughs> advisor that. to figure out how to make this work? Yeah. You know, um, it's good. Uh, preschool tuition. You have kids and the church has a preschool. You know, that's a way to, you know, could we, could we figure that out? Even, you know, would you ordain me? There are some tax benefits to Mm -hmm. ordination or whatever your church calls it. I I realize, you know, in denominations that's different, but in independent churches, it's, it's something that they can do. Yeah. Probably abused, but it is an opportunity for you that way. Just thinking about other ways to Again, figure out your personal budget. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that we pay for in youth ministry to spend time with the kids. I mean, yeah. a Starbucks budget's a real thing, right? It is a real thing. And yeah. meet with a kid's budget is a real thing. A going to school lunch budget is a real thing. I think just bringing up some of those personal costs that we incur would be really helpful. Yeah. Things like unlimited Tolls data on your cell to phone. Get to work. <laughs> because you have to be on social media all the right. time. Yeah. You need unlimited data. You know, listening to you list all of those things, yeah. I wish somebody would have told me those were even options going into ministry to even ask for because like in the school system you don't get paid for your cell phone you don't get paid for mileage like and it's not always like something they'll bring up to you right but when you don't know you can ask for that because nobody's ever told you you can ask for that that would have been so helpful so for anyone listening who's in that situation do it but on the other hand like for me in in one church that i worked in when i was going through the interview process you know, it was transitioning into ministry, like as they were talking to me about the job description and the pay, blah, blah, blah. Well, then when it came down to it for me to like sign my papers or whatever, they had actually dropped the salary by $5,000 because I was a female. What? And, but they never told me until I was standing there and I I didn't sign the paper. I was like, I'm not literally leaving the job I love. (laughs) Like, I don't trust this now. So and, and then it wasn't until after I left the job that I real that I learned that all the male pastors got retirement and no, like I didn't. Oh, ever. for real? What? For those five years, I never got any money in retirement ever. Oh, wow. I knew that I wasn't, but I thought that's what ministry was. I didn't even know that that was like 
an option? I didn't. And they never talked to me about it. And I, so like, it wasn't until after those years that I was like, huh, well, that wasn't fair. Gosh. So I didn't like in that situation, like I didn't get mileage. I didn't get retirement. I did, you know, like there was a lot of ways that you can make up for the money, but when they don't value you the same, Mm. it's really hard to make that up. And then when you know that, and you, it's, it's hard to find the confidence to go and be like, but I'm worth it because then no matter what you sound like you're angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so sorry, Ash. I, I'm not trying to just talk about me I know. because I've had these conversations but it's a real, with like I mean, it's a real so thing. many women. This is just the reality of it. And I'm not trying to like, you know, keep coming back to that. But I do want to represent all the Absolutely. people listening who feel that I'm way. I'm glad you do. Oh, I'm going to try to transition <laughs> from that. A, a couple a couple last pieces that I would have you think about. Uh, insurance. If your church doesn't pay for some insurance, having oh, them good. help pay for that. Or if they do cover a certain percent, hey, can we bump that up another 30% yeah. or something along those lines? Um, if you are licensed ordained, look into, you know, Chef, you kind of mentioned this, yeah. some of the tax breaks, housing allowances, different things like that. Look into those things. Those things can save you a whole a whole lot of money. Um, Ashley, you're talking about pension stuff. Maybe there's they'd be if they're not doing a pension, they'd be willing to start doing it. Or if they do a certain amount, maybe they'd bump that up a little bit. Um, and what the last thing is, if they have absolutely there's listen, Brett, there are zero amount of resources that we can offer you extra. Mm. Okay, right. can I move from? two weeks vacation to three weeks vacation. That doesn't cost them anything. Right. There's nothing you just have gained right. kind of that. And you're probably you know, just going to tell them resource. about it now, the, the same vacation you've been taking. Right, you've been, you've you're just going to officially <laughs> tell them that you're taking those vacation days because they don't know where you are anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. And I would add, get a financial planner. One of the best decisions hmm. For I sure. ever made was to sit down with somebody and they understood like nonprofit world yeah. and pastors and stuff like that. And they help. I mean, it's probably one of the best things I've ever done for my marriage and just for my peace of mind. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is make sure you're giving, make sure you're tithing. Hmm. Um, not only because one, if you're trying to ask for a raise and the, and the person knows that you don't tithe yeah. back to your church, that's an interesting, you know, situation. But more importantly, it's a matter of faith and you're trusting God with, um, it's one of the ways that you trust God with your finances and um, it just needs to be something we do. Well, I'm going to be honest. This episode went way longer way. than I thought it was. Than I thought it was going to go. I guess we had way more to talk about this because it is the whole thing is just kind of an interesting, quirky aspect of of ministry of ministry life. So I think before we end, Brett, yes. I mean, like since we're all sitting around a table, I feel like I hey, chefs are boss. I chefs are boss, and I feel like now he just taught us how to ask him, right? For- <laughs> right. Via public vehicles. So he's embarrassed. Let's, to let's say break no. every yeah. rule we yeah. just said. That's right. Yeah. Publicly put him in a corner <laughs> and see how that goes for you. Yeah. Well, I'll save you, Chef. Okay, so yeah. we would love to hear some of your thoughts. What are you wrestling with? What are the questions that you have when it comes to this stuff? So be sure to join the Facebook page. Some of the other things we talked about, you're going to see links to those in the show notes. You can check those out by heading to rethinkingym.org. So until next time, thanks for listening and good luck with all of this stuff. <laughs> if, if you're going to jump into it, let us know how it goes. The funniest ending. <laughs> See you guys later. Mm-hmm.